0: It's uh, man. This is um, th- this is really condensed stuff right here. Okay, is uh, First Peter. I thought, man, you know, this is incredible. I love it. He's teaching us, like, man, how do we live eternal life today, right here? Like, we're not just gutting it out here on earth, and and he's teaching us how to actually do that. How do we live in a way uh, that we can live this kingdom lifestyle? And now here in in 2 Peter, it's like the the author has just doubled down on some really, really good stuff. We talked last week at the park service. We we made it through about four verses. We're going to be going uh, for the foreseeable future here through this book fairly slowly, okay? Um, But we ran into some really great themes, these huge themes of Peter even simply really talking to the church and talking to the recipients of this particular letter with the with the framework of grace and peace be multiplied to you and as we talked about last week grace is truly everything that God has given us that we have not merited or earned on our own it's not this little tiny snippet of a forgiveness of sins it's everything and we couldn't even complete that list right we couldn't if we were to write that list of things that we're going man god you're giving me these things and I have no way of of meriting this or earning this or anything like that okay is that list is huge and Peter's saying I hope that's multiplied to you and I hope peace not just an absence of conflict a wholeness in relationships that relationships are complete and whole in Jesus right and he tells us this in, in verse 3 he says that his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness and hopefully you were able to take some time this week to stop and think about what that actually means right if, if Jesus himself were to walk in and said "I, you have right now everything necessary you're not lacking a single thing right that would be pretty amazing but it's a pretty dense like uh, just theme as well and he says he's given us his precious promises and we talked a little bit about that on Sunday is when you think through these promises of Jesus these promises of God throughout his word. The point wasn't simply that we would just take comfort in promises, but promises call us to be faithful. Promises call us to live these things out as if they were actually true and are true, right? And so he gets us all the way down, and we're going to pick up here today in verse 5, and this is what he writes. Verse 5, 2 Peter chapter 1, For this very reason make every effort to supplement your faith with goodness goodness with knowledge knowledge with self-control self-control with endurance endurance with godliness godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for if these qualities are yours and are increasing they will keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our lord jesus christ the person who lacks these things is blind and short-sighted and has forgotten the cleansing from his past sins. So we're going to stop right there. There's a lot in this section. Um, a lot of folks, when you have a list in the Bible, there's some of us here, you love a list. It's awesome. It's great. There's a list. I got a list of things I can work on. I'm going I'm to go home and I'm going to make an Excel spreadsheet of these things, okay? And then other folks like, oh it's a list. Darn, I don't like lists at all, okay? Um, and we're gonna we're gonna pull that apart just a little bit. going to go ahead and put this on so, so I can be sent across the interwebs. <laughs> oh. okay. sorry, yeah. bro. Yeah. come on, come, on. come on. There we go. Okay. Uh, So we're going to break this apart, but there's a lot of good stuff in here. And there's a a couple of things I suspect are probably, uh, at least for some of us, that that they're words and terms that you're going, I don't like how that sounds. Okay? And again, it's okay to have that thought. Okay? The goal isn't to sit here and just go, man, I'm going to sweat this out. Um, but we're gonna we're gonna take our time, and we're gonna break this. You know, we're just gonna kind of pull it apart a little bit here. But here's what's interesting about this that we learn. This is a pretty common way of writing, in particular in the early like first century and late like you know first, second, third century BC. And it's really it was a farewell letter. This is Peter's farewell letter. Okay, and so you can imagine you have him, and he's um, and, and and he's going man here at the end. I want. This is what I want to send off for people to know. This is what I want people to remember. This is. These are the things that were important to me. Uh, you know, and you can imagine the things we know. of Peter of him condensing these things down and going. This is what I really would love to leave behind for my brothers and sisters right here. And so. What does he say? He gives us this whole thing for this very reason, and we already know that that means you got to look up above that for this reason, you know, all these things. But he says this thing right here is to make every effort, okay? And, and, and I don't know how that lands with everybody, okay? I can tell you my history of preaching sermons With this term, make every effort, okay? This is like, for preachers, this is like low-hanging fruit. This is like the idea of going, now? This is where the preacher gets to tell you why you're just not working hard enough. Make every effort, okay? And it's so easy, and again, I'm just telling myself, I don't know who you're picturing in your mind, but this is like, oh, this is going to be sweet. Because you can go up there and just riff on this all day about, You know what because you're not making every effort that's why and by golly get going on that would you i don't care if you think you are but you aren't okay and it's it's fantastic in a church setting because then everybody feels guilty and they're like oh man i'm disappointing god and can you see how that goes down a really dark path okay and so we're going to attempt to be like inside this passage right here and what's he actually saying but i think we're going to have to kind of pull some things apart like in our own lives as well here um But he's saying this, and here's here's the no-brainer, okay, is that um, as Peter writes this, he is saying it does require effort to follow Jesus, okay? And I know, listen, for a lot of us, you're going, yeah, okay, that's a no-brainer. I get it. it. It does require effort, okay? Except we also live in kind of a world that is constantly telling us if you're making any effort spiritually, then you're doing something wrong. Okay, I mean we have entire like theological doctrines that are surrounding this idea of going, man. If you're giving any kind of effort at all, you're you're doing something wrong. You're not allowing God to work and all these things. But I think we can agree as we read this that Peter is telling us make every effort. He we can get that idea of going. He said, man, it takes and requires some effort. Actually, this word that he's saying right here is live your life in a way that have, it's diligent, right? That you are like in full diligence living out your Christian life. And we're going to go specifically over these terms right here, but here's what I would say in the short term, okay? Um, Is a letter like this in the Bible and this list right here, it doesn't always mean that we that we work on them one at a time, okay? That's not the purpose of it in any regard. This actual list right here, most likely, is framed between two words, faith and love, and that's the important part of this list, okay? And the things in the middle are just things in the middle that are important as well, but it isn't structured from a standpoint of us going home and going, okay, add your faith okay i'm gonna work on my faith this week and then next week i'm gonna work on my knowledge and then when i get really good at that then i'm gonna work on the next thing okay is he's framing this up between these two principles of faith and love and these are really broad terms okay so you have this idea of making every effort um, to add to faith goodness And, and essentially again that's moral that's like moral excellence okay it is, there is a moral code in God's book, okay? And m- having moral excellence, right? That's that idea of going, am I living in a way that's that, that's consistent with God's sexual ethic? But also not even just that, but it's the idea of how do we handle just truth and deception and all of these different things, lying and, and, and relationships and using people. He says that we have to be growing in this in our moral excellence and he said he used the term knowledge which we talked about last week is this applied knowledge okay and then self-control that's pretty self-explanatory there endurance that's a really cool word that actually means to remain under like hey when you're going through a challenge and a trial rather than trying to like zip your way through that thing is to remain under it all right like remain fully under that to learn And to endure, and and God is teaching us, and we get, you know, we understand God's grace through those things. Um, And and He talks about adding godliness and brotherly affection and love, okay? And so, again, just so we're not zipping through that, we're gonna spend the majority of our time next week going through that. But this is the thing right here that I feel like we've gotta sit in for a little bit because He says, make every effort for what reason here? He says uh, in verse 8, if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they will keep you from being useless and unfruitful. All right? And there's another statement right there, right? There's another one that we go, oh man, this is like our brains go all over the place. But let's just like slow down for a second and understand that Peter's telling us that our spiritual lives, our walk with Jesus, our life in community, okay, is meant to be growing, Right? It's not meant to be static, but it's meant to be growing, and we're meant to be useful and productive in the kingdom. Okay? I, I think we can we could safely pull this out of this passage. Is, is this purpose of making every effort of being diligent is that all of us, and not individually, but us collectively, are supposed to be useful and productive. Okay? Like the kingdom of God here on earth should be pr- productive and useful in order for the world to see the difference, right? And again, those words are kind of loaded as well, like what is useful and what is fruitful. And here's the thing that will just really, I think, bring us to a halt, is when we try to identify exactly what that is, okay? that's <laughs> If we try to quantify what that means, it's how many people the church helps become Christians, Okay? If, if, we, if we have a sliver like that, we're going to be missing a lot of this, and as just as a community, that's not even something that an entire community necessarily has to come together for, okay? And so this idea of what does it look like, and so why do I bring that up, and why do I bring it up ambiguously, okay? is because Peter himself doesn't even go through what that list should be. But here's the deal, okay? For us, this is one of those stopping points of uh, where we begin and we should begin. Just This is where prayer begins. Is what does it mean and what does it look like? And what does Jesus mean? What did Peter learn from Jesus to say, make every effort? Like, what does that mean? Not what I've always heard it meaning. Not what I've always been taught. Not any of those things. But the idea of what does this actually mean, and if there isn't like a stopping point right there, what ends up happening is is we get, like it's really easy to be super defensive, right? And it's really easy to go make every effort, like there's probably some of us, and I'm one of those people, I read it and I'm going, all right, I'm pretty overwhelmed already, just reading the words, okay? Like make every effort like, oh gosh, I'm already tired, okay? And so, again, it's that idea of this is where, truly, if you want a practicality to following Jesus, it's like we have to have stopping points in the Scripture to go, I'm going to stop right here, and I'm going to spend some time tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday. And I'm going to be praying about these things, and I'm going to be studying my Bible about these things. Make every effort, and what does it mean to be useful and productive? What does that look like in a kingdom life, right? What does it look like in a community OK, because unfortunately, without digging into it more, we end up kind of like sitting together on Sundays or we have congregational midweek or something, and we're not really sure why we're doing what we're doing. Like, that's an easy thing to do. Like, why am I doing this? And, and what's the purpose behind this? OK, and so he's saying this, make every effort. And, and here's the thing. Um. Let me read Psalm 1, okay? So this is, uh, to me, uh, there are certain psalms that just kind of nail it for me. Psalm 1, I'll read this to you. In verse 1, How happy is the man who does not follow the advice of the wicked or take the path of sinners or join a group of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction and he meditates on it day and night. He's like a tree planted beside streams of water. That bears his fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither whatever he does prospers and so when i read a song like that the thing that i start seeing is is like god is going to teach us what useful and productive looks like as we surrender ourselves to him like he's going to be teaching us what that looks like and what it looks like in our lives okay um but here's the deal all right the term make every effort um There's something we could do. We could just say, try harder. Just try harder, man. Right? Just do better. And there's a lot of us here that would go, yeah, I love, man, preach that message. Try harder. Okay? Just do it. Stop complaining. Stop your whining. We all know you don't like, you see where this could go? It's kind of like this really weird place. Except there's these roots, That we've got to like deal with in our life because our defensiveness or the way we're even like like following Jesus oftentimes depends on like what are our spiritual roots looking like okay because when a tree bears fruit okay it doesn't bear fruit on its own it's got to have like this root system that's nourished and and it bears fruit because of the health of that right well we've got to kind of examine those as well and I'm just kind of sharing today one of the things this is really something near and dear to me because again I can really go off the reservation and just get just kind of get goofy in my own head and not slow down enough and not really trust the word of God all the time this is just and so I'm kind of sharing what my own journey through this section of second peter is like and for me this is where I went first was I had to go okay I got to look at what's the roots like, what are my spiritual roots looking like? Okay? What's going on down there? Because, again, I can become defensive about things. But here's the interesting thing. When we're defensive, like defensiveness, what it shows is it reveals our insecurities, right? I mean, that's really what defensiveness Because when I'm not insecure, I don't feel the need to defend myself. I feel like I can listen better and I can, I can listen to, to help change and, and, you know, all of these different things. Okay. Um, but we've got to kind of dig into a couple of these things. And so this was really part of my own examination. Turn over if you would to Ephesians chapter five. Okay. So we're going to look right there at the beginning of Ephesians five, because here's one of the roots that if we don't, deal with it, this idea of mer- making every effort. We could be a community of people that weren't just like, listen, work harder. Okay? Like, work harder at this thing. Okay? We could be those people, except there's a group of people that did hear that message in the Bible. And they were the Israelites when they were in Egypt. Work harder. Make more bricks. Okay? Like, we'll be happy with you when you're producing more things right except there's a different way that god works here okay is are are we going to have to learn what it looks like to make every effort absolutely but we're not going to be able to actually make every effort if like the roots our root system is not nourishing us and we're not like deeply dug in and so in ephesians chapter 5 again maybe i'm just like maybe revealing a little too much you guys might think i'm just a messed up dude here but ephesians 5 1 is another one of those verses I would be very locked into this first section. Therefore, be imitators of God. What do you think about that? Okay, so so that's what the sermon's going to be. Work harder and be imitators of God. All right? But here's the interesting thing. Let Let me kind of read, continue to read. Have you ever heard of this? As dearly loved children. Okay, so here's my hang-up, okay? And here's the here's where we have to identify something, because if we aren't truly, like, digging in to know and understand and experience what it means to be a dearly loved child of God, then we're going to have a really hard time making every effort to do anything. Okay? And, and what we all have in common in different degrees is we were all raised by other human beings who who we're still trying to learn in the best cases, we're still trying to kind of learn what it means to be loved and to give that love, right? So to a certain degree, this can be a little strange. And so like my history with this is is sitting down and and praying and going, okay, let me pray this, therefore be imitators of God. And then imagining, could you imagine Jesus with, with, with who you are right now at this second, okay? Going, listen, I need to tell you something. You are a dearly loved child. Okay? And it's so funny because I can read a lot of different parts of the Bible, but that part right there, that's almost like a very difficult place to go. Like, because you almost feel like, mm, I don't know, he kind of knows everything about me. Would he really say that? Is that what he would really say? Like, come here and have a seat next to me. You are dearly loved by me. All right? and, and that you just like, that's where you live right there. That's a sweet spot. You know what's crazy about that? Paul wrote about that. And he says, the love of Christ does what? It compels us. Okay? Not just this desire to not go to hell or this desire to not do wrong. It's this idea of going, man, when we are truly like digging in. and this, my, In my experience, this isn't one of those things that you just like snap your fingers and are like, oh, I totally get what he means when he calls us a dearly loved child. All right. This is like, no, man, we keep going back to, to dig into all of these things here. But what's crazy uh, is if we don't live in this, and I would imagine probably every one of us sitting here in some way, shape, or form is a little bit hindered in this area. Like, you, like really, there's a missing piece to this of really being able to live in this idea of i am a dearly loved child beyond the theory of it but the actual reality of it okay i'm going to read this to you over in colossians chapter three Um, he writes this again okay he says paul writes therefore god's chosen ones holy and loved then he tells you to do these things, put on heartfelt compassion and kindness and these different things, but holy and dearly love. That's the norm. That, that's what normally should be happening in our lives in the kingdom of God. Okay, And it's, it's interesting because Jesus himself, is he taught us how do we live in a way where we can live in a community of peace? What does he say? He says, as I have loved you, so you must love others. Alright, it's like Jesus was nailing this. He's like, when when people know how they're loved and how deeply and dearly they're loved, then they'll know how to do that to other people. All right? But this is one of those things where we probably couldn't like we would have we could probably spend a ton of time on this. And quite honestly, I would encourage this to begin creeping into our prayer groups to kind of come out more because. Listen, our history, who we are, where we came from, what's going on in life is all contributing to this. And so it'll be interesting. I wonder if in our prayer groups and we're able to discuss this a little bit. I wonder how many of us are going, I've always understood the concept, but I didn't think it was important to understand the experience. Okay. And that may be one of the most important things that we get out of this entire section in second peter chapter one so this idea of if our roots if 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 there's this idea of anything like we're not understanding what it means to be dearly loved we're gonna have a hard time obeying these passages okay here's the other thing too is 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 if our root system like some of the things that can be glaring and again i'm just sharing this my own notes with you guys is when we're unaware of ourselves spiritually Okay, then we're unaware of ourselves. Okay, this is mostly in, in our world today. Well, oftentimes, I would say, expressed through social media. Okay, we've had that experience before where you've been on social media and you've seen a Christian post something on social media, and you're like, What on earth are they doing? And in most cases, it's a complete, just unaware that, oh my goodness, I'm not even aware of how I'm interacting with people, with the world, with brothers and sisters, okay? Again, this is a tough one, because here's the interesting thing, is when we're unaware, other people get hurt, all right? When we're unaware of ourselves and what we're doing, okay? And so, we have a really neat core group here. Like, we have this group of of teenagers and preteens and young college students, and most of them are trying to learn how to follow jesus okay here's the interesting thing they all are looking at social media and so when when one of us or we start posting things they're going oh man i guess this must be okay if it's but in so many ways we're so unaware we don't realize that, man, my own people in my own community are being hurt because I'm so unaware. And so this is the idea of part of this, like, how do we overcome this, okay, is this idea of being able to truly begin by, by courageously assessing ourselves, but not just alone. Like, assessing ourselves with our community assessing ourselves in our small groups like what's the glaring thing that you see in me what's that thing that just doesn't seem to be clicking right and 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 those are harder conversations to have but when you're in a community again that's loved you can have those conversations of going man I think you're missing this. I think you're missing something, Keith. I think you're not aware of what's going on here. I think you're, or man, why are you going and living this way and posting it on social media and then coming back here and behaving like you think a Christian should behave? Like, hold up a minute, okay? And again, the easy thing to do is to think they just are rotten people and they're making me angry You know, but what if it's just we're unaware of what we're doing? And I don't mean that as a pass. I mean, unaware of like, we just don't spend a lot of time assessing ourselves. Of going, how am I really spending my time? What does the world seem like slowing down enough to do that? So it's this idea um, of just, again, this is hopefully something in prayer groups or just in smaller groups that we're getting together with during the week. Of being able to just assess, like, "Hey, what's going on? What do you see in me? Am I aware?" Okay, because it's gonna gonna be really tough again to make every effort if I don't even have an idea what's going on with me and inside of me, right? And so here's the best one of these. Okay, and this is this is something that is helpful. I'm learning a little bit more about, but. Um, it's a misunderstanding of our body okay it's going to make it really hard to make every effort it's going to be really tough to do that even this whole list that he gives us if we're unloved or if we're unaware or we're misunderstanding like what the role of our body okay so what do i mean by that okay so we already know first corinthians 6 we know this okay is our body is a temple in that, that now here's the deal is let's stop for a second because in general most of the time how do we discuss that your body is a temple so don't be sexually immoral okay but stop just let's like for one second stop and think about the idea of just the statement your body's a temple I don't know if it's landing on you guys, but it landed on me like, oh, wow, this is really, this is fascinating because when you think of the temple in the Old Testament, you think of the temple that was built, there was a really specific reason. And who got to live in that temple? God lived in the temple. That's where God was dwelling among his people. That's where people came to give sacrifice. That's where worship and praise and prayer and all those things. And so to stop just for a second and to think about, man, okay, our bodies that we've been given are meant to be places of worship and praise and prayer and all of those things, okay? So let's just stop right there. There's going to be a real tough, it's going to be very difficult to go out and do this really tough thing of making this effort, okay, if we don't have this understanding of going. Hold on, first and foremost like what we're living in is God's temple Amen. it's been cleaned by Jesus' blood and he's come to live inside of us right and, and that alone right there if, if there's ever a tough thing like my word of the year this year is prayer that like is really helpful to think about it's to go, oh man my body was actually constructed to be a place of prayer Like it, that's what it was built for Okay, is that that is is this is this perfectly pristine and clean temple right now? Here's the crazy thing about this: we get to learn something from our brethren in the past. Okay, and and you read through like the, the history of, of the Israelites, and they're messing with the temple all the time. Okay, is is the king? Some kings come in and neglect the temple. Other teams come. I mean, there's all kinds of things. So, here's what's interesting. Uh, turn over to Nehemiah, okay? And uh, this, this is just a section, I, I love it. Uh, it. It's right after Ezra. Nehemiah 13. Okay, so, do you guys remember? Like, a, Here's a little quiz, okay, from the beginning of Nehemiah. And Nehemiah starts going in, and there's like some rebuilding efforts going on. And there were some people down the mountain... They kept, like, antagonizing him, okay? Do you remember one of those people's names? Sam, Ballard. Sam Ballard. this That's actually right, okay? And so you have this one guy, he's just a troublemaker. Just like, hey, keep coming down. Come down here and talk to us. He's, like, totally trying to, in fact, it says they were angry that this rebuilding was going on, okay? And there was another guy, too. Do you remember? There was actually two other guys, but do you remember either of their names? Okay, Tobiah and Geshem. Those were like the three guys that were like the main troublemakers. So here's the interesting thing. He's, 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 They're causing all this trouble. Nehemiah's like, get out of here. You have no part in this. All of these things, okay? Now here, Nehemiah chapter 13, okay? Nehemiah's been out of town for a while and he comes back, okay? And uh, this is what he says right here. Um Verse 4. Now, before this, Eliashim, the priest, had been put in charge of the storerooms of the house of God. He was a relative of Tobiah, and he prepared a large room for him where they had previously stored grain offerings, frankincense, articles, tents of grain, new wine, and oil prescribed for the Levites, singers, and gatekeepers, along with the contributions for the priests. Okay? So, the priest said... Cousin Tobiah, come up here. We're going to move all of these things out and we have a room for you to live in the temple. And he writes, while this was happening, I was not in Jerusalem because I had returned to King Artaxerxes of Babylon in the 32nd year of his reign. It was only later that I asked the king for a leave of absence so I could return to Jerusalem. Then I discovered the evil that Elisha had done on behalf of Tobiah by providing him a room in the courts of God's house. I was greatly displeased and threw all of Tobiah's household possessions out of the room, and I ordered the room to be purified. Okay, so just let that sink in for a minute. Who of us would go, you know what would be a great idea? Remember that guy that was like messing with us? I, he, listen, he's like my third cousin on my mother's side, twice removed. He doesn't have a place to live right now. We could have him come up here in the temple complex. That would be a good idea, right? you be like, what are you talking about, man? You've got to be crazy. And it's not just anyone. It's the priest who's doing this, right? But here's the interesting thing, okay? And not to like, not to, not to pull on this string too hard, okay? But here's the deal. Is me and you, that can happen in our own temple, Right? It is the guy and the thing and the people and the places that we know are like, this is not good for me. And isn't it really easy in the metaphorical sense to go, you can come on here and live right here. Okay? Like, things are living in us, meaning like, we're emotionally attached to like these Tobias, right? We're emotionally attached to the things we go, we know these aren't healthy for me. Right? Whether it's relationships, whether it's whatever, I I can't answer that question for you. Okay, but it's this idea of somebody who is not for God or something that isn't helping anyone before God and going, hey, come and live right here. Come and live with me, all right? And when Nehemiah found out, he's like, listen, man, I'm not only kicking that junk out, somebody's got to go in and purify that room, okay? Like, for us, that's just simply repentance, right? It's like, hold on a minute. What were you thinking? why did we let that why did we let those images in why did we let that behavior come in why did I let that person come in and influence me that they don't have any reason to be following God why did I allow those things in why did I allow in this love of like pleasure and financial gain and all of those kind of things there's probably those things that we've got to go hey man you've got to be evicted from this temple right like you've got to go and there has to be some purification here okay and so you have that second Chronicles you can turn over and to your right. To your right, the, the, the fun thing is is you can you can or to your left, you can. There, there's a whole lot of a, a whole lot of sections of Scripture that we could um, that we could go through that shows like God's people, yeah, our brothers and sisters. Okay, taking the temple of God and going, I have a really great idea. Let's use the storeroom for Tobiah okay we do this ourselves second chronicles uh in uh, chapter 34 that you have josiah, king josiah here uh, you know he, he becomes king uh at a very young age he was eight years old uh when he was 16 years old he started seeking god um uh, when he was 24 years old, he says, Man, it's time to clean up the land. It's time to clean up the temple. So he's, he's like a young man. He's like, We got to clean up the temple. It's in a bad way. All right. And then, uh, here in verse 14, as they're cleaning out the temple, they find some things. When they brought out the money that had been deposited in the Lord's temple, so that clearly they have money in the temple that they had no idea was in there. Okay. That's a mess. All right. It's like, go home and look at your sofa. And you're like, wow, there's like $25 of coins in there, okay? <laughs> so he brings this out, but here's the thing: Hilkiah the priest found the book of the law of the Lord written by the hand of Moses. All right, is the temple had become in such disrepair, the people didn't even know where the word of God was anymore. Like they didn't know where it was. They haven't been following it. They haven't been reading it. They haven't done any of those things. And this is a byproduct of like learning about how God has built us is that we can get to that place where like what's inside of us is so cluttered and so out of control. that The word of God doesn't even know where it resides inside of us, right? Like it just gets kind of like lost. This is one of those byproducts as we're repenting. It's that idea of going, oh my goodness, the word of God is in there okay, this is one of those places, okay, so we have this this idea of our body, Uh, so here's the interesting thing about our physical body, this is why it's important, okay, is how many people, let me just ask you this, how many days could you go, okay, without any sleep and any food, like you personally, what would you say, like who would win that battle, like me and Cole were talking about if the church was like thrown into a game of Survivor, Cole asked me who would win. Okay. And, and, and I was like, I don't know which one of us lies the best. And then Cole said, well, I think Stephon will win. And I, would, listen, I don't think that's true, Stephon, but I think you need to deal with that. Okay, um, I can't believe you said that. I defended you. But, but, no. but, but here's the interesting thing. How, like, what would be the record in this room where somebody could go and be like, somewhat coherent? How long could you go? What do you think? Four days? Five days? No sleep? No food? You would get to a place where your body would stop, okay? Why do I say that? It's not so we can, like, Google what the precise number is, okay? But it's the idea of this temple that God has built for us. And and here's the interesting thing, and this isn't because, I mean, I love, like, my major with sports medicine, and I love anatomy and physiology and all that kind of stuff. So when I'm looking at this body that God built for us, it blows my mind when you think of how he, like has blood flowing through us and it's exchanging oxygen and all of these things are happening and it's healing itself and there's all these like chemicals and neurotransmitters and muscles and tendons and bones and they're all like man it's this beautiful perfect thing except there's something about it that we know it wears out over time okay it wears out but there's also limitations okay and so this is going to be really tough to make every effort, if we're like, I will not obey the limitations of my own body. And let me tell you, man, I have a PhD in not paying attention to the limitations of my own body. Okay? Is And the thing about it is, is, is oftentimes in church, it can be seen as like, dude, you're awesome if you ignore the limitations of your body. Okay? It's, dude, don't sleep. Right? Don't listen. This was I heard this man, and you wonder what I don't even. When I heard these things, I would go, "That's what I want, okay." And I remember distinctly hearing, "Listen, dude, you can sleep in heaven." And I remember going, "Yes, <laughs> yeah, that's right, Carl. <laughs> right, that's right. What's wrong with you, people? I'm gonna sleep." And here's the deal: it's a, it's simply disobeying. How God built our bodies. That's all that is. But what about all the lost people? Okay, here's the problem isn't with you and me. Your problem is with God, really. Because you're going, hold on a minute. You gave up, what's your problem, God? Don't you love lost people? Why do you have to make us sleep? And why do you have to make us eat? Why didn't you do better? Except maybe He did better. What if what He did was the right thing? What if what He did? what's going on? I'm going to make these people have to sleep a third of their lives. And I'm going to teach them what it looks like to make every effort. And I'm going to make sure that they eat, but they can't just eat Twinkies all the time. And they can't just eat Taco Bell all the time. They're going to have to have some actual, their bodies are going to have to work on decent food, okay? As they get older at least, right? I mean, it's, when you're younger, you can eat anything, okay? But what ends up happening and i think we've all had these conversations before we come, we like coming to the church and we already feel overwhelmed and weary and tired <laughs> right like hey man i'm just overwhelmed i'm weary and i'm tired but man i'm going to keep pushing ahead and go hold on a minute what if we actually like honored how god built our bodies this is th- listen dude this is dangerous Here's why it's dangerous, okay? Because there, I know there's somebody in here, and you're going, you want to know what? That's exactly my point. I am doing everything I want to do, when I want to do it, how I want to do it, and that's how it's going to be, okay? And, and maybe? And it's working out for me really. Right, there you go. <laughs> like, listen, Byron, I didn't want to make eye contact with you, but, you know, we are on the same page. But, but really, it's one of those things where could you hear something and go completely off the rails? Of course you can. All right? But that's, a, that's why each one of us, we're going to have to give an account. Okay? We, we cannot teach this stuff because somebody might go off the reservation and become like just some selfish, self-absorbed, like, you know, I'm just going to sleep and have vacation and, you know, all that kind of stuff. All right? But if we honor we learn to do this, I think when we start reading passages like Make Every Effort, Then we're going to be able to go, oh, man, that's what that means. And there's, like, life in that. Like, that's interesting. Jesus teaches that we should be living, like, with life, okay? And so, this is, again, I'm just kind of sharing from my own things, okay, is when we're not honoring um, depriving ourselves of sleep. And and I get it. Like, there's some of you you think you need 14 hours of sleep a night, and you know Okay, you know you, you know, you know, okay, be more aware, okay, but but the thing about this is if you're living on five and six hours of sleep, you're probably not doing well either, you're probably not doing well, all right, so part of honoring, here's the deal, this is tough, man, because here's the deal, so part of me making every effort and learning how to honor, like, God's boundaries and all these kind of things is I really do enjoy, like, me and Abby sit down and we watch a TV show at night, and I like doing that. Like I enjoy doing that. Like it helps me unwind. But you know what I don't do well? Of going, okay, now it's time to stop and go to bed. It's like no, you just keep going until you like, and then you're like, okay, well this is okay because I, I wake up in six hours, but it's okay. Wow. You can do that a little bit, but not as a lifestyle. It just, it doesn't work that way, okay? And our bodies will catch up with us. So, what's the point of this? How do we honor our bodies and our limitations? How do we do that? By, have you ever thought about that? Like a spiritual decision of going to bed on time? Like, that's a spiritual decision, right? Now, now, oh, okay. I, I can't go through every little thing because, I know, I've been there before where I'm getting kicked out of someone's house because they got to go to bed that second, okay? Okay? <laughs> we could be a little bit okay but we don't have to be yeah i don't have to say it royce going you're okay i can tell by this goes okay keep it up okay uh, because here's the deal as god said i want my church and my people to be useful and productive yeah. and i want them to be a city on a hill but but maybe it's not that we're looking like the world in terms of like sin but what if we're looking like the world in terms of just being worn out, depleted, and overwhelmed? Okay? I mean, what if that was it where the world's going, I'm not going there because they're just going to have me do more of what I'm already doing, okay? And so, where are we going to stop this right here, okay? Is is this place. is It's going to be really important for us to pay attention when we're overwhelmed and tired and upset and like barely making it, because that's going to lead us into learning, like, okay, what are the things that need to go in my life? That's going to help us to do this, okay? Uh, So, but before we finish, I've got to just say this, okay? We've got to dovetail into next week of this idea of making every effort, and I want to just give a little bit on that, okay? This idea of making every effort. You know what's interesting? If you're sick or you're injured, you can make every effort. A lot of times we think make every effort is like only the dudes, like, Like Jessica and Adam doing the mud run, you know, and it's like, dude, that's, you got to be able to do that and climb things and get bruises all over your body and that's making every effort. Except what's interesting is that if you go to Dr. Tony, okay, and you have like a blown out knee, she doesn't expect you to come in and perform like a healthy athlete. But you know what? Making every effort is you got to show up. Like that's part of it if you don't come to therapy, you're not making every effort. Okay? Because she's not... Why I say that is because sometimes we think, man, I'm kind of sick spiritually, or I'm injured spiritually, I'm hurt spiritually, or something like that, and go, I just can't make every effort. But the real reason is, I mean, the truth is, we can in whatever state we find ourselves Because making every effort might mean, you know what, I can go to bed on time, and I can wake up in the morning, and I can be in my Bible, and I can pray. That That... Maybe in some cases where we find ourselves, okay? And you may be overwhelmed and tired and all these things. I mean, we've had a plethora of babies born. It's tiring to carry one of those little things, huh? And it wears you out. And why I say that, Liz, is like, work harder, would you? Okay? And, and, but here's the thing, is, is we find ourselves in different places, and that idea of if we hear this make every effort and we're not, like, grounded spiritually, then we can go to really weird places of guilt and then we feel like, oh man, God doesn't love me and he's not going to be with me and all these things. Instead of going, man, I may be in a place where I've got to figure out what does make every effort look like right here right now. And am I even doing that? Okay. The simplest thing. So, whether we're sick and injured, whether we're older and slower, yeah. Did you say Byron? (laughs) <laughs> oh, I, I thought you said that I, You need to talk with Stefan Okay, He's causing trouble man He's causing trouble um, but, but here's the thing is You can be young But, but ultimately I think what we're going to learn As we do this is that we are like Really chasing life At right next speed To get riches And luxuries And a lot of things That are really great things that God does Give to our world But they're overwhelming us, and then it's like, oh, and you want me to be useful and productive in the kingdom of God? Okay, this is going to help, hopefully, identify these things. So we go forward, we're not just kind of like pushing ourselves ahead. So, anyway, what's like the homework this week is simply prayer. That's the homework, okay? is the idea of going, hold on, uh, like write it down, pray about it. This idea of, man, am I honoring God in my body? Right? With all of the limitations he's giving me and all of the we we know I need sleep. We know, am I doing that? Am I really digging into these passages and asking myself, like, what does it look like to make every effort? Okay, is we're gonna be praying and studying and digging into that. So next week we can kind of like jump in to the meat and potatoes of it. So again, we're just kind of digging out the roots today, and then in a week we'll come back and hit this section again. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about us or have any questions, please visit ClemsonFoothills.com. You can also text Foothills to nine four zero 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 to stay up to date on everything going on here at CFC.